The following audio is from Sand Hills Community Church. More information about Sand Hills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. I have the pleasure of introducing our guest speaker this morning. Pastor Jeff is still in Israel with us here this morning is actually the president of my alma mater, and it's actually not just my alma mater. It is Pastor Jeff's alma mater, Pastor Tom's alma mater, Pastor Chris's alma mater, and my twin brother's alma mater, the president of Columbia International University, Dr. Mark Smith. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be with you this morning, and... uh... I was told this is the crowd that has energy and is awake. You know, I'm I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. In fact, I've worked my whole life in nonprofit industries. And uh but I perceive there's more energy here. The first morning crowd, we were like trying to get them awake, okay? Uh they're the they're the ones that that uh when the rapture comes, they'll be there for the early co- coffee, you know? And uh, you guys will make it. Now, that 11.30 service, there's a question, you know? They're just, now, they're just now waking up, and they might not even make the rapture. So we just ask the Lord to help us with, the guy, with that. Uh, don't tell him I said that. I'm, I'm sure that'll be the first thing you say. So uh, it's good to be with you, and greetings from uh, Columbia International. The, the, the goal's high now with all these alums here. And, uh, but it is a privilege to share with you today. And uh, as I talked with Pastor Jeff and, and just thinking about some things uh, for this new year, you had Doc Olshine, I believe, last week. So you went from professor down to president. You know, now you have to lower yourself. And uh, But Doc Olshine always does a great job. But sort of continuing on for this year, I was thinking of something that might be of help to us as We know that all of us in this coming year will have some crises in our lives. We'll go through some tough times. Uh, I've had those. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about my own life and share some of my own stories sort of as a way of introduction for you to get to know me. Then when I come back and preach again, uh, you'll have some reference points of who who Dr. Smith is. But I I would start out... uh, with reading a scripture this morning that through the holidays just spoke to me in a new way. John uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 14, you, you know this, you don't even have to look it up, says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that beautiful? The incarnation of Christ, the beauty of Christ coming to this earth so that he could understand uh, our infirmities, understand who we are, and uh, be associated with us on great le- greater levels. But verse 16 caught my eye, and the, the verse says this, and of the fullness have we all received. Now, there's a sermon there. And grace or grace. One writer translates it grace alongside grace. Another writer translates it Grace upon grace upon grace we have received in Christ. So this morning, I'd like to talk to you and give you some grace tools, 
I'm going to call it, or the crisis that we face as Christians as, as, as we go through life. We all know, we're told in James, we're told that we are all going to go through trials. We're all going to face the fiery darts of the enemy. We're going to face some tough times. But I want to start out by telling a little of my story. Have you ever had a really bad day? This was a bad day. 20 years ago, I'm out preaching on a Sunday morning. I preach from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. I drove four miles after dropping my wife and one-year-old son off. We had had lunch together at a friend's house, and I was going to another church to begin uh, the dialogue with them about becoming their pastor. I was at Indiana Wesleyan University. I was a new uh, uh, administrator there, but I also was missing the the pastorate where I'd been for the five years prior. So I was going to have dialogue and a gentleman doing 60 miles an hour came across into my lane, five feet into my lane, right at the top of a knoll, a little hill, and hit me head on. I was doing 45 miles an hour, 105 miles per hour impact. He went 120 feet one direction. I went 80 feet the other direction. That impact knocked me unconscious. But after a period of time, I came back too. You can see how my car ended up. I was trapped. The steering wheel was pinning my chest. My left hip had been pushed up partially over into my right area. My stomach had been crushed. My elbow was out and gone. I'd lost three inches of bone here in the elbow. We'll go to the next slide. You'll see a couple of things. This is what I walk on every day. I have 13 screws from this area here to this area. They're about three inches. They're at an angle. You can't really tell that, that are in my hip. And when you walk all day, you can, by the end of the day, you certainly can tell those things penetrating. <clears throat> but that's what I walk. They had told me that I would never walk again. Told my wife that. But they put me back together and prayed over me, and God was allowed me to be able to walk again. You look at my next slide, you will see uh, somewhat of the screws. My elbow is a three-inch screw. In fact, you can feel the little uh, Phillips head screw right here on the end if you ever touch it. I have two steel plates here with 20 screws here. I have a battery pack here that stimulates bone growth so that this arm doesn't die and they do not have to amputate. I had 20-some ulcers in my stomach area instead of my stomach exploding. My stomach stretched, and I was uh, in hospital for the first period of time for 31 days in and out of consciousness. As I faced that crisis at 30 years old, I knew that, that life had changed dramatically. I came back to in the car. I felt and smelt the, the smoke that was coming and billowing up all around me. I knew I was trapped. I had worked on the rescue squad in college uh, for uh, five years and as an early uh, pastorate, and uh, they had, uh, had taught me a lot about life-saving, so I reached down in my state of mind and felt my arm, and I said, well, my arm's gone. At least I thought it was in my mind, but I can make it without an arm, was my first thought. <clears throat> and I started that battle for life. And in that moment, I began to panic because my wife and one-year-old daughter 
was about all that I was thinking about. I'll never see them again. In fact, I said in the car, oh God, I'm dying. And in those moments, as I began to sense that panic, there was something happened in that car that I will never, ever forget. And that was, I began to sense the closeness of God in the crisis. I began to sense that God was there. The Holy Spirit was with me. And when you're going through the crisis, one of the grace tools that I want to give you this morning is if you know Christ, when you're going through the hard times of life, then you can make it through the crisis because the Holy Spirit will be with you and you can sense that Holy Spirit. It was like my panic was set in, my wife, my child, I won't see them, and instantly the Holy Spirit was there, son, you're okay, I got you. We can do this. That's what I sensed. It was like the Holy Spirit was sitting in the car beside me. I knew that that presence was there. The second thing I understood was also that there was the knowledge that I knew Jesus Christ and I was ready to die. I see a lot of young people here this morning. I don't know. I didn't expect at 30 years old to have an accident. Didn't expect a guy to be in my lane five feet. But there's one thing I will, I've said to my wife over and over that I never, ever want to get over and I never want to have questions about, and that's this. Knowing that I am ready to meet God is a critical component. It brought peace to me. In the time of crisis, the Holy Spirit's presence was there, but the peace of God was with me, knowing that whatever happened, I was ready to go, whether I ended up in going to heaven or whether I ended up in a hospital. I was ready to go. So the first grace tool that I offer you this morning as you go through the hard times of life in 2020 is that you understand that the presence of God provides comfort for us. Second principle I want to give you this morning is this. When going through the crisis, the promises of God provide strength. Sometimes we don't really understand the power of this word. I was a young man, and my dad would walk in my room. I was very fortunate. And he would say to me, he would say, uh, son, have you read your Bible? I always hated when he came in and did that. You know, because if I hadn't read it, then what do you do? You know? And if, if I had read it, you know, I still didn't like him asking. You know, I'm a teenager, and I just don't want that accountability in my life. But I look back now at 53 years old, and I say, wow, I'm so thankful for a dad who made me memorize Scripture, who made me understand the Word, who challenged me every day to put this Word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. And I began to do that as a young man. So I'm here in this hospital bed. I'm flat on my back. I can't lift my head off of a pillow. My wife is literally having to wet my lips to keep them from being dry and broken. I have tubes and lines going everywhere in my body. You can imagine how many from that kind of an accident, that kind of a trauma. Eight, uh, five doctors have worked eight hours on me just to save my life. My body's swollen double the size it is. 
And I'm there and thinking, how am I going to make this in life? How am I going to make it in life? Life just changed drastically for me. And I don't want to be a bitter man. I want to be a better man as a result of this accident. As I go through this crisis, what are the grace tools available? And God began to bring back Scripture memory to my mind. This verse was one he sent me. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in you, O Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him. So every day, hour after hour, when I couldn't read the Bible, when I couldn't do anything myself, even pick up a glass of water, I would just be there in my bed quoting scripture. I will bless the Lord. Now you're not awake yet if you don't clap for that or say amen or something. I know Phil Pot's a good preacher, but he's not better than that right there. I'm telling you, okay? God and his word is powerful in our life, amen? And I found that out real, in a real way right in my life. God was there. I was having uh, nightmares. You can imagine after being in that accident, first six nights, uh, anytime I would move my body, I was on morphine, I was, I was drugged in and out of, of my mind, uh, from the trauma I was in, and and they, uh, the the pain was overwhelming. So 17 days I was on morphine, more than you're supposed to be, and and I was there on the sixth night, and I had had another nightmare, six nights of them, and I I, I started to move, and when I would move, I would pass out. The pain was so much, I'd just pass out, and so I looked up to the Lord and said. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him, Lord. Now, I need you to do that tonight. I was sort of frustrated, okay? God didn't get mad at me, okay? And I said, Lord, I just need you to do something for me. And I fell off into a sleep. First night, seventh night, was the first night that I really rested. Woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning. There beside my bed, literally, was a small little angel to put in my bed. Never had one before. Never had one since. Little angel ministering to me. Just to confirm that, you know, I'm not into angel, uh, angelology or anything else that, that goes along with this, but as I, uh, just to confirm that, the next morning my pastor came in to see me and he looked as he walked in the room, the first words he said, Dr. Smith, what is going on? This room's bright like the presence of a being has been here. Never had met me, uh, or never had been in that room, and he walks in and that's his first words. He would confirm that if he was here, Brother Mac, is his name. And God sent his ministering angels, and I began to start getting better. And God began to touch me. From then until now, I've never had another nightmare. God instantly delivered those from me. Being trapped in that car, being smoked, that smoke-filled car, I've never had that again. And so I've learned that the power of Scripture is real in our lives. If I could say two things to you this morning, number one, know you're ready to meet God. But number two, 
Take advantage of this grace tool called the Word of God. Get it in your heart. My 14-year-old son and I right now, we're doing something uh, as I try to instruct him. We're going through Proverbs. He's 14. He needs a lot of wisdom right now, okay? And Daddy doesn't have much right now, right? Uh, but 14. So we're doing like four verses. We started at chapter 1 right at the beginning, and he does four verses, and then he comes in and tells me what he learned. Last night he was like, Dad, I learned you're a wise man. I learned that you have a lot, know a lot more than I do. It's pretty, pretty exciting to hear him say that, you know. <laughs> First time for a 14-year-old to do that. So he comes in, he shares, and the Word is starting to get into him. What are we doing, parents, to get the Word of God into our students, into our lives? I found at 30 years old what my dad had forced me to do was what saved me in the time of crisis. Scripture power, whatsoever you need, ask in my name, John 14, 13, 14. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Look at that, John 15, 7. Whatsoever you ask in John 16, 23 and 24. Whatsoever you shall find on earth, Matthew 18, 18 through 19. And then Philippians 4, 13, one that I had learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those verses became so powerful to me as I was asking God to restore my health and allow me to walk again so that I could serve Him. I wanted my life to glorify God. So principle number two, not only the presence of God, but secondly, the promises of God. But thirdly, we're going through the crisis this year. In 2020, when you go through the crisis, the people of God provide encouragement. Doctors, nurses, I've just had some of the best. Just fantastic. Now, I remember one who wasn't so great. Don't we always remember that one? She wouldn't put my catheter in for a whole 24 hours almost. And I almost died in that hospital condition. And, and I've come to this conclusion you know, this whole grace alongside, I had all kinds of doctors and nurses coming around me. Anesthesiologists obviously were there. Uh, I had uh, cardiologists checking out my midsection. I had orthopedic surgeons around me, and I had neurosurgeons to check and see if I had a brain, and just on and on. You know, these people were there because when you go through that kind of accident, I had five doctors just right alongside me. And I was so thankful they were there. They prayed over me. The five of them gathered and prayed over me. And they worked on me for eight hours the first night just to save my life. They came alongside. But you know of one called the Holy Spirit who also comes alongside in the crisis who will be right there with you in the time of need. And that is so much more than those doctors or nurses. The difference is this. I have learned that doctors and nurses, although they come alongside of you, they can create a lot of problems too. I, I was just thinking after being having, I think, since seven or eight surgeries now, I've made a list. I think that every doctor and nurse should go. Every doctor should have to have surgery every two years just for the sake of it, you know? <laughs> I just think it'd be a good thing. They know what it's like, you know? And, and, and after 31 days in the hospital... And after all the pokes and sticks and my arms were black and blue and I had nowhere else they could poke, you know, and, and they're trying to get more blood and they were like, your blood's low. I'm like, I realize that. You've taken so much of it. 
Every day, seven times a day, you come and take more. My blood actually was borderline. I mean, it was I lost half of my blood supply in the accident. So I went from 14 down to a 7.1 and and on the verge of a heart attack stroke. And they were telling me, and I'm like, you keep taking it every day. So I've come to the conclusion that every nurse should have to have blood drawn every week. Don't you think that'd be good? I think it'd be a good thing. They, they would understand, you know, and they know. Some of you nurses are looking at me like, he is off his rocker up there. Relax, I'm only teasing you, okay? You know what I found out? Nurses and doctors were right there when I needed, and I had the best. But I found out the Holy Spirit's better than those nurses and doctors. I found out the Holy Spirit's right there when we need him every single time, and he doesn't hurt us either in order to see something go forward. The very God of heaven has come alongside us, bringing grace resources to us, and we can understand that some of those grace resources are played out in this way. One reason I'm such a big fan of the church, you don't see me running away from the church or downgrading the church, it's because God used the people of God in my crisis time to get me through. My wife and I, yeah, you can go ahead. That's good. You. He used you. My wife and I, 30 years old, we're in ministry. We've given our whole lives to ministry. We've surrendered everything to God. We had $500 to our name. I have an accident. I can't work for a year. How are we going to make it? She's got a one-year-old baby. She's driving back and forth to see her husband every day. She's trying to make things happen. She was a teacher. She's trained as a teacher, but she hadn't gotten a teaching job. How are we going to make it? What's going on? And the church, from every state here in America, from the Philippines, from the United Kingdom, from around the world, this young ministry couple got 400 cards and $10,000 over the next six months till not one time did we miss paying a bill. That's the church. So don't come to me and down or form out the church. Don't come to me and talk down because I need it and I love it. And I love you. And you are the church. And one of the things I've learned in this grace crisis times is it's so easy to draw away and feel pity for ourselves and not, not want to be a, a part of the body when that's exactly the opposite of what we need to do. We need to be drawing close to each other and taking advantage of the grace tool that God has given us. I love you. I need you. You need me. And we encourage each other in these days and we say we are going to be brothers and sisters to each other when we're going through the crisis. Amen? You do have some energy. I like that. I found that those financial gifts and the encouragement of the saints were absolutely wonderful in our lives to get us through the hard times. So now we try to do that to others just to encourage and give and love on each other. But the fourth thing I'd say is this. Here's a great tool for you to understand. Understand that the power of God that operates in you is the same power that brought forth Jesus out of the grave. You ever thought of it like that? The one that said, Lazarus, come forth. That power is in you. 
In fact, he says, greater things will you do. The power of God is on display when we go through the crisis. And so we glorify God as we go through. One of the prayers I prayed over and over is, Lord, keep me sweet. Don't let me become a hard man. Help me to be broken. Help me to be humble before you. Help me to love people. Help me to encourage others. Keep me sweet so that your power may be on display. And he also uses that power to do miracles. Some of you haven't seen a miracle in a while. Well, let me show you one. You get it? Right here. I was never supposed to walk again. You saw what I'm walking on. More or less be able to do it for 20 years on that same contraption I have in my body. What's supposed to happen? But the power of God is on display. And I don't know about you this morning and what you're going through. But let me say to you, that same power is available to you this morning. You say, Dr. Smith, that was 20 years ago. You had any more crisis since then? Yeah, I have. October 2019, I went over to Lexington Medical after a doctor said to me, I went in just for a back pain. I typically can sleep about four hours a night since my accident. I'm okay with that. I've learned to adjust to it. I'd gotten down to about an hour a night, two hours, and my back, my sciatic was the problem, I thought. So I went to one of our doctors that I know and said, would you look at that? And he did an MRI, and he called me at 8 o'clock at night, and he said, Dr. Smith, he said, I've got some bad news for you. He said, uh, we need to talk. Come in in the morning. And uh, he said, I see a big mass. And so in 2019, in October, I was diagnosed with stage 3 uh, kidney cancer. November 2nd, I went in for surgery. Wonderful people at Lexington Medical took out a kidney and a tumor that's 10 inches by 5 inches. Football size tumor out of my left side. I'm about eight weeks out of that. I didn't know if I could preach today. In fact, first time trying again. And so we began the crisis process again, my wife and I. Stage three, highly like, high likelihood of return. I know that I've got tests in January. I know that I got tests in February. I know that I got tests in March. I know that for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be in testing. I know I'm doing genetic testing. I know that I'm doing body scans. I know that the future is very interesting. But here's what I've learned. Not only do these grace tools apply, but here's where I like that first, or John chapter 1, verse 16 passage. With this passage here of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I go right back to the basics again. Kidneys removed. I don't know what the future is, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly, I will more gladly, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I've come to understand that in these times in my life of crisis, 
that God's power has been on display in a, in a more powerful way than I could even imagine. You got some grace tools for 2020. First of all, the presence of God. You can know the Holy Spirit's with you. Second, you got the promises of God to count on. Get them in your heart so that when you face the crisis, they just pop up automatically. That's what happens. I wonder why my dad said memorize. I wondered why my college professors said memorize, Bible college professors. I know now the Word of God sustains me. The Word of God just pops up over and over in my mind when I'm going through these tough times. I live with pain every day. There's times I go home, I can't get out of bed. I'm in bed by 6 o'clock. I can't get out of bed. I've worked all day at the university. I love, love doing the job there. I love just shepherding and loving on people as president there. That's what my life's about, just pastoring and loving on people. God's helping us do some great things. I can't even imagine that he would help us do all we're doing, but I have learned in my own life that if I follow him and draw close to him and stay in his sweet will, that the presence, the precious presence of the Holy Spirit will be so real that it'll, in the time of crisis, I can count on him to be there. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace is what I've seen in my life. It's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Did you get that? It's grace upon grace upon grace that God bestows on us. When facing circumstances of life, you never know what you're going to need. But I'm here to tell you that God's grace is going to be enough in 2020. A full grace upon grace is going to be there step by step with you. In these times, you can count on Him. Lord, make us your grace agents. Pour out your grace upon us so that we might be ointment to the wounds of others who are going through the crisis. Bring us a quick supply of your grace. I don't know what 2020 holds for me. I know I got a lot of testing. I don't know what it holds for you, but I want you to know something. God has grace upon grace upon grace for your life and for what you're going to face. Now, Father, today, I pray for our people. Many of them I've met or I know, many I don't. But I pray for this congregation that the grace flow of God would be upon them and help them to take advantage of the people of God and be encouraged. Help them not to say a discouraging word to anyone, but to only encourage in these days. Help each one, Lord, to have your presence abundant in their life. Lord, would you show them their promise, your promises real this year? And Lord, may your power be on display in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website 
at www.sandhillschurch.org.